Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Tammy Kim, Vice Mayor of Irvine, California, talks with Bruce about combating hate against Asians and other forms of hate in one American community, a micro version of the American landscape dealing with hate in all forms. The Bruce Cook Conversation with your host, Bruce Cook. Trending now, here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue. Good evening, Southern California. It's Bruce Cook, live at Angels Radio, KLAA, AM 830 Radio. Good evening. Good health. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the broadcast. I want to start by bringing up the passing of Henry Kissinger this week. And, you know, I thought about this for a long time, whether I should even bring it up, because I am dismayed by the fact that that most Americans don't care much about politics other than what they can remember, what they relate to at the moment. It's really important that we get back to the education of our children, of ourselves, about how our country has developed, its pros and cons, its ups and downs, the, the crises we have faced. I bring up Henry Kissinger because... For those who care listening to the radio tonight, and don't turn it off because you think this is going to be boring. It's not going to be boring. Our show tonight is going to be very, very strong and very informative and emotional. But I bring up Henry Kissinger because very few statesmen of the 20th century in America had the impact of this man. This man served multiple presidents, both Republican and Democrat. He was both Secretary of State and Chief Chief foreign dignitary and negotiator with China, with Russia, with the Middle East. His credits are unmatched. Credits is really the wrong word also. His accomplishments, the things he was able to to do to keep this world in order, not just America, but the world in order, because relationships matter. So with that brief intro, I ask you, all listening, if you if you haven't done so, Google him, Henry Kissinger. Check it out. See what this man has accomplished. And ask yourself a question. Why are we not like that now? What has changed? What has changed so much? And it's a segue, actually, for me on this program tonight because – my very special guest, who I'm going to introduce to you in a moment, who is live in studio with me tonight, has a very personal story that relates to what we're talking about. It's about world affairs. It's about people of all different races, cultures, religions. It's about the hate in America that has taken over our lives. And I want to know why, and we're going to talk about it a little bit tonight in our first segment with that special guest. So let me ask a question before I introduce her. My question to the listening audience tonight, this is a tough one, it's a toughie, it's a tough question, but I want honest answers if you want to join us on air. And the question is, do you hate? Do you feel hate in your heart, in your brain, in your life? Do you hate 
Do you hate a particular race, a particular religion, a particular aspect of society? Are you afraid of black people walking down the street? Are you mad at the Jews or the Israelis because they have attacked Palestine? Are you mad at the Palestinians because they attacked Israel? The list goes on and on. Do you harbor Asian hate because of COVID and all of the things and all of the misconceptions and all of the stories and conspiracies? Where does it come from? Is it conscious hate? Is it subconscious hate? Do you know the difference? Do you hate? 714-2-830-830. And don't be afraid to be honest on air. We are honest. We are direct. And we want to talk about it. 714-2-830-830. There are answers to be found. With that, subject change. I want to introduce my very special guest tonight. She is an amazing person. First of all, her current credit is Vice Mayor, Vice Mayor City of Irvine. Her name, Tammy Kim. Yes, I believe she's Korean, and she is a dynamo. She is, listen, the list goes on and on, so I'm going to get it, I'm going to miss some stuff. But according to her publicist, who is also sitting here, who is this very accomplished young man named Calvin Alvarez, who I have dealt with before, Tammy Kim is a mother. She is a small businesswoman. She is a philanthropist. She is a community leader. She works with nonprofits. She works with immigrants. She works with the city of Irvine. She built her own business. She rose from nothing to something. This is an American story. This is Horatio Alger in a Korean woman, who's very pretty, by the way. We don't have cameras in the studio. She's here to share her life experience and to talk about what she's doing in the city of Irvine, what's happening, because every city in Southern California, depending on its population base, depending on its politics, is a subculture of what I'm talking about, the division in America, and how to bridge that gap, and how Henry Kissinger did bridge that gap in the 20th century, and we don't have anybody like that now. We're facing an election year. So much is going to happen. So much is going to happen. And and frankly, I think we're going to be shocked at what's going to happen. Right now, the divide between Republican and Democrats, everybody thinks it's going to be Biden versus Trump. Just you wait. Just you wait. And don't be surprised if neither one of them are running for election. And I said it here tonight, one year approximately a year away. With that, Tammy Kim, say hello to Southern California on Angels Radio. Hello, listeners. Thank you for having me here. Listen to that beautiful voice. Oh, my goodness. Tammy, let's start with the Asian hate situation. What's happening right now in Irvine and in your perspective of what you see? What's causing it to get worse rather than better? What can we do? Uh, yeah, so I, you know the the world we ex because of COVID we experienced a lot of anti Asian hate um, that existed as a result of quite frank frankly ignorance fear, um, but we also have the issue of Asian Americans being the perpetual foreigner here in this country. Wait, what does that mean? So the perpetual foreigner means. Regardless of how many generations you've been in this country, 
you will always be considered an outsider. So you will always be asked where you're from. You will it will automatically be assumed that you are not truly American, that you must belong somewhere else. Whereas in other, you know, whether your parents came here from or your great grandparents came here from Italy, from Ireland, um, you are American. But if you're Chinese whose uh, ancestors came in the 1800s, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Which says to me there's a racial component in it because if you're Irish or you're Italian or you're French or English, you're a blend. Mm-hmm. You don't look different. Exactly. Interesting. You know, I never thought of it that way. That is really interesting. Tell me your story. Yes. And so, and I bring up this perpetual foreigner because I think it's really important, especially when you talk about um, the wars that have been fought uh, in Asia. And you talk about the wars that have been fought in Europe, for example. And, um, you know, the, the troops went to Europe in World War II, um, did a lot of good. The troops, uh, you know, our U.S. troops also went to Vietnam, went to Korea. Um, and when, uh, you know, I was approached uh, regarding an issue around a veteran cemetery, um, you know, I had people coming in to the Irvine Ch- City Council chambers um, pointing out specifically to me uh, because you know, whether I should be grateful for the troops that went to Korea. Wait a minute. What is? What do you mean? Well, it means, you know, whether whether I support a veteran cemetery or not supporting a veteran, veteran cemetery, it was directed to me because they said that I should be grateful. I should be grateful um, for the troops that went to Korea to save Korea um, from, you know, North like from the north and from communism and it struck me as well that's not asked of my colleagues so why is that asked for me in particular that you know it's kind of shocking but it's not and it's also i would were you offended by it were you shocked by it how did you answer i answered it just quite simply I'm an American, and this is my country. How did? When did you come here as a child? I came here as an infant, so I came here with my family, and and this was obviously post Korean War. Yes, it was post Korean War, <laughs> so I, you know, nothing to do with the Korean War. I mean, my my parents were young during the Korean War. Um, they survived the aftermath of the Korean War, and um, you know, the Korean War had already ended, like. You know, many many like, years, yeah, yeah, many years after, uh, and came to this country, and um, did you come with nothing? Forgive me for saying, uh, did you have to really start over, or did you come with some sort of a cushion? Um, we I, there was no cushion, so I mean, we I did have our family was not rich. Um, so it's an immigrant story. It's an American immigrant story. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we, you know, we weren't given any special of anything, um, but what we were given, um, as all Americans are given, was the right and freedom to an education, and that which is a big deal. It is a big deal because in many countries, uh, actually, it doesn't exist, or it ends. Um, so in Korea. Um, 
most people don't realize, but free education ends in eighth grade. Interesting. And so, you know, the question is, well, you know, when you're when you're poor, do you struggle to figure out how to get an education after the eighth grade or in the United States, you have access to free education? I started the show by talking about the fact that I don't think we respect our education as much as we should. We don't learn. We don't particularly pay attention to history. From your perspective, obviously, coming here, that was a very important thing to your parents. And I believe it was a very important thing to you. Looking back now, how different would it have been for you had those parents not been there saying, you're going to take advantage of this in America. You're going to improve your life. You're going to learn. You're going to study. And it will open doors for you. Why don't we see that as much anymore? Why aren't we seeing that now? I, you know, uh, I don't know why we're not seeing that as much anymore. I, I, I know um, in Irvine in particular, the reason why people come to Irvine is because of our great education. And so I think when you talk about uh, the U.S. as a whole, I think education is still valued. It's still the pathway in terms of um, seeing yourself out of poverty and seeing your family out of poverty. Um, But I know in Irvine, a lot of our residents really do care about education. It's a single single biggest driver of bringing people into the city. All right. Now, here's here's a difficult question. Sure. A lot of people. No, I hate. I hate when radio hosts say a lot of people. Or there is a perception that Irvine education is excellent and special because the predominance in the schools are Asian students, mm-hmm. not just Korean, not just Chinese, but Asian students. Because there is a bias. Call it a bias. Call it even a prejudice that Asian people work harder, study harder and deal with education in a much more parochial manner. And a lot of Caucasian families are afraid of that. They're afraid of the competition of putting their their child that doesn't have that kind of a a background into an, an Irvine school because they will not flourish. Tell me I'm wrong. Um, I... There's many different types of Asians, and so uh, what, what not I'm, all Asians are brilliant yes, and smart, and not it, all Asians care that much about education. Yeah, and and what we don't want to do is we don't want to get into a model minority trap, uh, where Asians are viewed as the model minority. But what I can tell you is that a lot of people do come to Irvine for the education, and um, whether it be. And I don't know what comes first, the chicken or the egg, because I think a lot of Asian parents come to Irvine like myself. They gravitate towards Irvine because of the schools. But clearly, Asians were not the first people in Irvine. So the schools were already great. And that was before Asians even came to Irvine. Well. (laughs) Right? That's right. But you must admit that schools are better because the Asians have come to Irvine and they have 
they they do dominate your population. It's this, you know, it's this the idea that we're not blending as much as we used to. When you came here as a young child, cultures blended more. Why is it today that groups are so? I don't know. They're just so so divided by the separation of every kind of imaginable thing, not just race, but economy, poverty, neighborhoods. In Southern California, there are distinct neighborhoods that are Asian that weren't before. Pasadena, San Marino, San Gabriel, that area was nearly, at one point, probably the most conservative white community in Southern California. It is now predominantly Asian. Where the white people fled. Why did they leave? What happened? I have no idea. Explain this cultural divide. Yeah, I don't know why the white people left. I can't answer that in particular. Where'd they go? They didn't come to Irvine. I I mean, I think some of them did come to Irvine and some (laughs) of them are going to different places. But I think, you know, overall, um, everyone's looking for their piece of the American dream. And that's really what it comes down to. And whether, and it just so happens that Irvine has attracted a lot of Asian Americans, because I know, I can only just tell you my own personal experience. And part of why I chose to come to Irvine is because education is important and the schools were great. And I wanted uh, my son to uh, be in great schools and with a good, safe environment. And I don't think that's no different than I think what anyone else wants for their child. Um, I can only speak for myself in which it does take a certain amount of investment for the parents to make sure that the kid does their homework or the parent, you know, and and I was willing to do that. And I, I took it upon myself in making sure that I volunteered at the schools and that I... Um, you know, I was I was a volunteer mom from kindergarten, and then in fourth grade, I was the room mom for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And and running business and doing everything else. Y- yes, <laughs> I'm going to push this even further though because I'm trying to get I'm trying to get somewhere. Not only we talked about Pasadena and the San Gabriel Valley, we've talked about Irvine. Asian population also took over Hispanic communities like Monterey Park in uh, in Los Angeles. And again, people flee. Here's what I'm pushing for. This is what causes prejudice. This is what causes so-called quote-unquote fear. And taking it a step further, hate, violence, and and and, and despicable acts against individuals that are unexplainable at random times so again ladies and gentlemen listening tonight you've heard myself and tammy talk about things like education and parenting and and uh, civilizations and communities i ask again are you afraid what is your fear and are you willing to share it with us please call me this is an honest open forum does it bother you that certain communities you might not feel comfortable in? Why? Why? Why would you be afraid? Why would you move? Why did you leave Pasadena? Why did you leave Monterey Park? 
how do we turn this around, people? 714-2830-830. I'm Bruce Cook. It's the conversation tonight with Vice Mayor of Irvine, Tammy Kim. We have a break to take, Tammy. We'll be back in two minutes. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love. Sweet love. At the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, the Hogue Epilepsy Program is accredited by the National Association of Epilepsy Centers as a Level 4 Epilepsy Center. This means that our experts provide the highest level care for patients with complex epilepsy. Our patient-centered approach to epilepsy treatment combined with state-of-the-art technology, including robotics and laser ablation, ensure the best possible outcomes for our patients. To learn more or for an evaluation, call 949-966-0243 or visit hogue.org forward slash epilepsy care. Back, everyone. Welcome back to Angels Radio Bruce Cook Conversation tonight with special guest Vice Mayor of Irvine, Tammy Kim. We're talking about solving some of the prejudice and hate in our society, or at least at least we're trying to attack it. We're trying to get to the root of it. And I have a caller, Tammy. I've got a caller coming in tonight. Um, her name is Leslie, and she's calling from Newport Beach. Leslie, are you there? Hi, Leslie. I'm here. Hi, Leslie. Hi. hi. Hello. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this, this hatred. And what really shocked me is when Henry Kissinger died this week, he's always been such a hero of mine. I think he's just a statesman for the ages. He's brilliant. The hatred that, that came out online and people I discussed calling him a war criminal. I don't understand that. And maybe the mayor picked <laughs> I have a friend who lives in Irvine, and she can't, a, a, a UCI student. And I'm just, I'm just floored at why people are calling Henry Kissinger a war criminal. You want me to start with that, or Tammy, you take yeah, it? Yeah, you know, history is complicated. Um, it really is. And I think the society we live in is complicated, and I think that... Uh, you know, we look at things from many different perspectives and many different lenses. And sometimes, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. And I think when we the sometimes the best decisions are made at that time with the information presented. Absolutely so. And also, Leslie, don't forget that Kissinger as a as a major statesman, American statements at the time, was very, very loyal and supportive to President Nixon. And he believed that the threat of North Vietnamese communism was a serious threat to the world. Clearly, as Tammy has just said, hindsight is twenty twenty, And certainly it, to some historians, might, have, might be a blemish on his record, but so much of what he did was so positive in terms of world relations, race relations, political relations, that I believe that uh, we have to overlook it. What else? What else, Leslie? What else? What do you? 
Who do you hate, Leslie? Do you have hate in your heart? I want to know who you hate. I, I'm ashamed to say that I do have hate because I'm coming off a long, long work week, another one that's starting today, and I hate all the freeloaders out there. I'm tired of our system giving people a handout instead of a help up. You know, it's the old thing, you give someone a fish to eat for a day, you teach them to fish, but we're, we're, we've got to stop... Uh, giving things without people working for them. I think that's part of our problem in our society and, and the disrespect people have and, you know. So you, uh, don't, you don't hate someone for the color of their skin or their religion. You just hate the behavior of people. I absolutely think we need to take everyone one-on-one -on -one and anyone who hates someone for the color of their skin, shame on them. That's ignorant and stupid. My problem is the behavior and we don't have the work ethic we have anymore, the respect. And so my hatred, uh, no, it's not a category of people at all. It's, it's behavior. It's the freeloaders. Tammy, speak to that. Tammy's life story is about coming here as an immigrant and dealing with that and rising. Speak to us. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I freeloader... Um, I, clearly, anyone that abuses a system is not, uh, you know, it's not favorable. Um, How do we stop but, it, though? It has become, this. The our caller is true, it's become rampant. There is a whole society of people that are taking advantage, and our government can't seem to figure it out. What do we do? You're in government. How, yeah, do, you, I, how do you deal? How, Irvine does not have a huge homeless population or a huge drug addicted or meant you don't have that I problem. Mean, we, we have a lot more than you think we have, um, but it's really about uh, making sure that we get people before it becomes a real issue. Believe it or not, a lot of the homelessness um, and a lot of the drug addiction that we see, they're actually from veterans suffering from PTSD. And it's a matter of making sure that they get the help that they need and and for anyone that gets the help that they need. But I, why is government failing at that? What is what is the stumbling block? Why do city councils tearing their tearing themselves apart, arguing over minutia about how to help a veteran who needs to be housed and needs to have counseling and help? They'll fight about this until the cows come home and nothing not it's not fair to say nothing gets done, but things don't get better. Uh, you know, I believe a lot of these issues where uh, you see things not getting done, to me, that's kind of at the federal level. Uh, at the local level, we get a lot done. I think the, the most effective um, um, solutions that we have are because the cities are taking on the, the burden that perhaps the state or the county or even the federal government should have. So, for example, when you've got a veteran suffering from PTSD and is, uh, you know, on uh, addicted to opioids, that ends up that federal problem ends up becoming a municipal problem, and we're actually having to find the solutions. We're actually having to find the housing, the shelter, and the mental health treatment for that veteran that should be under care of the federal government. Are there lessons that a smaller community such as Irvine 
could give to the monolith of Los Angeles and the struggles that Mayor Bass is having dealing with these problems because the population is so large, the problems are so much bigger. Is there a transition? Well, a lot of it was making sure that it didn't happen in the first place. I mean, they're so in the hole almost that it's hard to get out when you're that deep in. And we have to recognize it's about being proactive. And it's about finding solutions now for tomorrow's problems. And that's what I really scratch my head and I really... Um, wrestle with is making sure that we're not just looking at Irvine and what is Irvine today, but looking at Irvine, what do we want it to be the next 50 years? And we want to make sure that we don't have a homeless problem. So, but if you don't come up with solutions now for future problems, you're going to have these problems. And they get worse. Leslie from Newport Beach, what do you see in your crystal ball with this situation with a huge society of takers and not enough givers. Oh, you know, I'm sorry to say that, the, I mean, the mayor, she's wonderful and all, but her answers were all so vague and passing the buck and no, no real defined solution, and it's frustrating. Well, and wait, well, wait we got to give her a chance to give that defined solution. So seriously, we'll get back to that, but what about you? What about you, Leslie? What do you, what would you do? You have any power as a citizen, a non-government working? I assume you are. I don't know if you are. I assume you aren't the uh, mayor of Newport. But tell me, what can you do as an individual to get over this feeling of being taken advantage of? Your tax dollars are being wasted. You're you know you work hard and you see people that aren't working hard and everything seems unfair. Americans are mad. Leslie, are you there? Oh, you're asking me. Yeah, I'm asking you. As uh, you sound like a smart lady, what what do you think you could do? I continue to work hard, Bruce, and pay my taxes. And as far as you know, that's a good question because we should all those of us who complain, we should try. We should try to solve the issues. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Okay, I'm not going to put you on the hook. I'm not going to put you on the hook then. No, but but I will say I think we need to vet these people a whole lot more. And speaking of veterans, I'm all for helping them. We we treat a lot of our illegals a whole lot better than the people who fought for our country. But I think in answer to your question, we we have to screen people better. We have to. Uh, realize that we're totally being taken advantage of and laughed at. So I guess uh, in conclusion, to just bet these people better who are absolutely hosing the hardworking taxpayer. Well, it's a it's a good a good answer, Leslie. I just don't know how our government has the ability to vet people whether they should or not. Back to Tammy. Leslie was harsh on you. She said, "Give us a specific." thing that you're doing to help the veteran, to help the mentally impaired, to help the drug addicted, that might be something useful that other governments might be able to to build on. Yeah. So one of the things that the city of Irvine has done is we've instilled a 
through uh, Be Well, we've instilled a mobile crisis unit. So we are proactively going out there with mental health issues, with the mobile medical unit where uh, they're not dressed in police uniform, but they're dressed in civilian uh, clothing, where they are dealing head on with uh, medical, I mean, mental health issues. Let me ask you a really hard question. And that's, you know, that's being proactive and not a lot of cities are actually doing that, but we're doing that. There's a big issue in California and in Los Angeles in particular, the care court, which you probably know about, which is a something similar to what you're talking about, but on a much broader scale, where people with severe mental challenges and illness um have to be dealt with and perhaps institutionalized. But the caveat is they can't be forced. So my question is, when your crew, not in police uniforms, but as social workers, as psychologists, as doctors, whatever they are, are out there encountering a person suffering from some severe uh, mental problem, but they can't be forced to be institutionalized. They can't be forced to be taken off the street. It has to be voluntary when you know that they need to be forced, for lack of a better word, they need to be institutionalized for their own safety, but also, frankly, there are so many stories that we deal with day in and day out where an innocent person has been either harmed or killed by an erratic situation with a person suffering from mental trauma. Why can't society deal with the fact that certain people must be I wish I had another word in my head, forced to seek help. I'm not sure about that. We're well, not dealing. I, I, yeah, I'm not. Tell me, yeah. tell me I'm wrong. I, 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 you're not wrong. But I don't see that on a day-to-day basis. My issues that I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis has a lot to do with housing affordability, That's a a public, yeah, public safety, uh, making sure that our police officers have the the resources and the tools that they need in order to keep our community safe. I'm also dealing dealing uh, with making sure that our infrastructure is up to par and making sure that our city receives our fair share of resources throughout the county and the state. Tammy, on that, I got to take our next break. Uh, I hate to even break this off because we're really getting somewhere. Yeah. I want to thank the caller, Leslie. Thanks, Leslie. Who called in. Leslie, thank you so much for being honest with us. That's what I'm all about tonight. I really appreciate it. We're going to take another two-minute break. Tammy Kim, Vice Mayor Irvine, we got a lot more to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, the calls are open, 714-2830-2830-714-2830-830. And I ask again, if you're willing to be honest on the radio tonight, what do you fear the most? What is your prejudice? How can we overcome it? How can we talk about it? Who do you hate? Call me. Institute at Hogue is ranked in the top 1% in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. 
It provides world-class care through multidisciplinary expert teams, each focusing on specific disorders of the brain and spine, such as stroke, aneurysms, brain tumors, Parkinson's disease, cognitive disorders, including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, back pain, as well as spinal cord issues, addiction medicine, and sleep disorders. Our renowned experts offer the best evidence-based care, state-of-the-art technology, and the latest clinical research, all focused on the individual patient. Our stroke program was the first in Orange County named as a certified comprehensive stroke center, and our brain tumor program is the largest in Orange County and among the top volume programs in the Western United States. Hiccup Family Neurosciences Institute, compassionate care, clinical excellence, creative intelligence. To learn more, call 949-516-9075 or visit hogue.org forward slash neuroinstitute. We're back, everybody. Back and live, back and live, back and live on radio tonight. All of Southern California's listening Vice Mayor Tammy Kim, your constituents in Irvine, they're calling in like crazy. They love you. Excellent. They love you. They love you too, Calvin. Calvin's shaking his head. He doesn't have a microphone. (laughs) We're coming back to you uh, live tonight, and our producer in the booth, uh, I'm going to bring him on. His name is Oscar, and uh, Oscar has a little something to uh, share with us that will prompt more conversation oscar are you listening i hope you are because that's what you're supposed to do hey oscar hello tammy how are you good good just as i'm looking at all three of you in the other room um yes i am listening because i have to you know direct your show in the right direction but uh, i was telling you while we were on break that my favorite quote is from dr martin luther king jr which is, I have a dream that one day my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but of the content of their character. That sort of says it all. But Oscar, yes, how come that hasn't happened? I don't know. I, I can't answer for other people. I can answer for myself and what I believe and what I think. Um, and I 100% truly Uh, believe in dr martin luther king jr's word um there's there's no simple answer to that type of question you want to know something horrible that just popped into my head people that don't know you that are listening to the show tonight are thinking he's probably black that's what i'm talking about unconscious bias and prejudice they're probably thinking that oscar's black and he's liberal and blah 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 and oscar is not black and from what i know he's not very liberal either (laughs) so we make assumptions we make assumptions and that's a lot of the problem tammy join us yeah uh why would you think he was black because Because, he liked martin luther because he's really he's he's really praising martin luther king yeah and i i it just popped into my head and people there are people out there thinking well he's just a a black person proud of another black person rather than thinking what an amazing quote and and that really should be true it shouldn't be aspirational it should be real that's just what came into my head as a crazy radio host (laughs) agreed but but, (laughs) she's agreed on the crazy part I will say this across the board. Anyway, he's coming back. Oscar, I, I will say this. Though. Oscar, who's not black, is coming back. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, I have been judged before 
on the color of my skin. I have a very light color uh, tone, very white, very pale, uh, with blue eyes, um, and a lot of people assume that I am Caucasian. Um, both my parents are actually uh, immigrants. My dad from El Salvador grew up in the guerrilla war. My mom is Mexican. Um, so I am a Hispanic first generation here in America. So uh, hearing Tammy's story, I think of my parents and I think of what they went through to get to where they are today as hardworking American citizens. And radio listeners, you should also know that Oscar has 12 jobs, is just completing his college degree, and is the most responsible person west of the Mississippi, and we're happy to have him here. Um, thank I appreciate you for, it. Thank you for joining the, the show tonight, it. Oscar. Yes. He also picks out incredible music for the interstitial parts of the program, which I think is helps a lot. So with that, back to Tammy and back to our issues at hand. Let's get off the hate stuff. We've, we've sort of milked that. We certainly haven't answered the questions. We haven't solved anything We've just brought it to the attention of listeners, hopefully everywhere, that are with us tonight. Um, I want to switch gears and talk about an issue in your city that I know you're dealing with that is really important, and it speaks to a worldwide problem. And that is, I understand that your city council is really wrestling how to deal with uh, single-use plastics and the disposal of such, and how to create a cleaner, safer environment, and it's turned into a bit of a mess. Explain. Um, well, um, in in order to achieve sustainability goals, our, uh, we had an agenda item last council meeting to have an ordinance to eliminate single-use plastics throughout the city. Uh, in ma many different forms, shapes and forms. So that's basically the gist of it. Um, the net-net is we had a lot of speakers come out um, in support and also in opposition. Uh, the city council decided to um, move on things that, we, that make a lot of sense that we can do and we can do immediately, such as eliminating uh, plastic um, plastic bottles within city hall and our city facilities and city events, hopefully, um, and also looking at perhaps. Um, uh, oh, the other thing we did is um, we're looking at banning the um, the release of balloons into the air. And so things that we could do to make incremental steps towards achieving our sustainability goals. We talked before the show a little bit about the fact that these kinds of things in a quote-unquote banning situation impact your business owners dramatically. And when it's done with rapid succession and not a whole lot of time in order to make changes, it is, the economic impact can be very serious to individual people. Aren't communities that are more environmentally concerned better off in dealing with science, industry, and technology to find ways, which I believe personally it will happen eventually, that single-use plastics that are wasteful and that are, uh, don't biodegrade, there will be answers to that. Rather than banning a product across the board, Work with science to figure out 
what methods can be used for biodegradability and solve the problem? Yeah, so there's a lot of issues at hand right now because in many cases the technology might be there. The issue is that the costs are prohibitive um, as well as there's supply chain issues. So for example, if you're a boba shop and I'm making this just as an example that uses a lot of plastic, that they're going to need to change. They will because the 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 model is unsustainable from a from an environmental standpoint. Um, but what they will need to do is uh, what we need to do is make sure the technology is there, and that uh, the the boba shops themselves start phasing in and that they start uh, looking into you know, doing pre-orders, for example. So that way the cost of the, the biodegradable plastics are there. The bamboo straws are there. Right now, it's a lot of, a lot of it is supply demand cost issues that are making it prohibitive for a boba company or boba shop to just suddenly get rid of plastics. Um, and you're having an impact. But in addition to the technology, one of the things that I really think we need to start doing is we need to start really thinking about our own ourselves as consumers and what we're doing, the role that we're playing as individuals. So for example, um, you know, what are the things that I can do to make myself more sustainable as a as a human being, as an individual? And a lot of it comes down to just consumerism. We are buying a lot as a, as humanity, as, as a country, as a nation, as a people. We're buying so much stuff. True. Um, it's it's ridiculous. So you think about just myself and and what I'm consuming, and I think about like myself. Do I need to go out to eat every single night, or how much of it, if I cook at home, will I help the environment? Because it's but you know it's it's hard I, as a busy single working mom. Um, you know how do you manage all of that? But it really does come down to consumer choices. And then thirdly is. Um, and one of the things that I talked about at the past city council meeting that we need to look at is our tap water is safe to drink, at least in Irvine it is. And we need to educate our residents that our tap water is actually safe to drink. We don't have to use bottled waters. We can use... Such, that's a really good point. On that, i got to stop you. We have to take a break. We're going to finish when we come back. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook with Tammy Kim tonight, Angels Radio. We'll be right back. Anything you want till the morning Now you're in my life I can get you off my mind 
As part of the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, Hoag's Neurospine program offers innovative methods to reduce pain, inflammation, and improve mobility safely and effectively, often without surgery. Should you need surgery, Hoag is a leader with minimally invasive techniques, 3D imaging, and robotics to restore your golf swing or your swing dance. Many of our patients go home in just a few hours, walking the very next day. Call our dedicated nurse navigator at 949-537-2931 for an evaluation or visit hoag.org forward slash spine health. We're back. I'm Bruce Cook. It's The Conversation live on Angels Radio. Special guest tonight, Vice Mayor of Irvine, Tammy Kim. Her last comment before the break was, don't be afraid of the tap water. It's good. You can drink it. You don't need to spend $2 for a plastic bottle and throw it away. We're not going to talk about that anymore because, as I told Tammy during the break, that my wife is afraid of tap water and she yells at me if I drink it. But we're going to change that. We only have a few minutes left. I know that you have political ambitions. I think you'd like to be the mayor of Irvine. Maybe I would. I would. I want to hear about that. And when you become the mayor, what are your priorities in two minutes or less? Yeah. So there you go. I've you know announced that I'm, I'll be running for mayor. The current mayor will be termed out. And the opportunity is here for me to be mayor. And really what it comes down to is, um, and I mentioned this earlier on, making sure that we look at Irvine and, and ensure its sustainability and how we are going to have an excellent, safe, vibrant city with a high quality of life for the next 50 years. And that's really what I'm focused on and making sure that we're um, thinking about that to making sure that we don't end up like Los Angeles and making sure that we're taking proactive measures in the health, safety and vitality of our city. Briefly, because we only have a minute, what about the cost of housing? You brought it up only briefly, but it is, an, it is a deterrent to many people. It is. It's an absolute deterrent. And one of the things that it takes is it takes a lot of creativity to think about, like, what are we going to do in order to house more people and for people to have housing opportunities, especially when it comes to our working families, our nurses, our teachers, our firefighters, our police officers, and ensuring that they have a place to live, which is called, you know, mid-market. It's not like low, low income, but it's working families. Right. right? And if they all leave the town, what have you got? We, we don't have much because the people that make our city safe, that make it vibrant, um, have no place to live. As Also, when we talk about being an economic engine and a job center, we also want to make sure that those uh, workers have a place to live. And that's why I've worked with you know our main developer, which is the Irvine Company. And I know people talk and say, boo, on that. But they're the main developer in Irvine and making sure that we look create creatively to provide housing that fits the needs of our residents on that our time is up it's been a great hour with you tammy kim wish you much much luck on becoming the mayor and making good changes absolutely La thank you thank you and ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening tonight to angels radio and to the conversation i'll be back next week next sunday at the same time we close with the same thing we close on every week and that is good health good Life, good happiness, make good choices and get smarter, people. We need to be strategic and we need to be thinking and not be lazy. 
Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Tammy Kim. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear the Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. <laughs>